Welcome to the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast, where we unite with Christ to combat the shame surrounding young women struggling with pornography and share our stories and insights to gather more tools and weapons to fortify our stance on the front lines in the war against pornography. Alrighty, welcome to this next episode of the Sisters on Frontlines podcast. Today I have, <laughs> thank you. Today I have an awesome, awesome guest. She is so fun, so bubbly. We went and got boba the other day. So fun, but she's awesome. Her name is Emmy Bass. She is the founder of a club that I love to talk about at BYU called the Unalone Club. It is a club. For anyone struggling with or supporting someone who's struggling with pornography, we meet every week, usually on Zoom. We have some in-person meetings, but not a ton, but usually on Zoom and we'll have awesome guests just come and share their insights. And it's just a place where you can you can feel kind of a community and meet some amazing people. And so I'll have Emmy, I'll have you introduce yourself and talk about the Unalone Club a little later. First, I want to hear about like who is who is Emmy? <laughs> cool. So I'm Emmy Bass. I'm from Tennessee. I'm obviously here in Utah. I moved to Utah to go to school, served a mission in Colorado Springs, and then I've just been hanging out in Utah since I graduated. I actually like it here. I feel like that's a hot and spicy take, but I'm kind of the queen of those. Yeah, I studied classical civilization, which is ancient history, politics, and language while I was at BYU. Didn't minor in anything pornography related, but I probably could have. Yeah, like Maddie said earlier, I founded the Unalone Club. That's a super awesome story that we'll probably get into later. But yeah, that's me. I'm uh, currently an artist and creative writer um, working on like five different novels. And yeah, one of my longer term projects is I want to write people's recovery stories. So that's kind of exciting. Ooh, how cool. I didn't know that. That's really cool. It's going to yeah. be good. She's cool. She told me a little bit about like what she's writing. It's going to be awesome. So we'll give a shout out to your book once it comes out. Amazing. (laughs) Well, sweet. And you're a rock climber, right? Hardcore rock climber. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Let's just dive right in. So actually, when we initially talked, I was like, so there's no way someone like started this club and like you haven't struggled with pornography, right? And then Emmy's like, right. (laughs) So let's talk about like, why did you start the club? What prompted you to do that? Yeah. So Boyfriends, a song by Harry Styles and my muse for starting this club. <laughs> Basically, I dated boys that lived in Provo. Hence, I dated people that struggled with pornography. And that's not the only group, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a big one. So I kind of my original inspiration, I was dating this guy. He was really wonderful. We got super serious, super fast. I had just gotten home from my mission and I was like, I got to find the one, which is really weird. Cause I have never been that way as a person. I don't know. Being a missionary did something to me. I was like next ordinance on the hunt, but it's okay. I chilled out. It's been like six years since then. So we're safe, but, and you are engaged now. We didn't mention oh, that. Yeah. 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 I'm married in 28 days and it's going to oh be fantastic. I'm so excited. It's going to be fantastic. But, Yeah. So that kind of like lends itself into the story. So I was dating this guy and he was wonderful. And then one night he like sits me down for this like huge dramatic conversation. I thought he was going to break up with me. And he's like, I struggle with pornography. And I was like, oh, that's tough. I mean, I, there's bad things about me too, you know? And it was just a, I didn't know how to react. I don't think I did a very good job. Um, And then I watched it just like destroy his life. Not really in the way that you hear about when you're like, 
ahem, going to young women's or reading church magazines where like their whole life becomes about pornography. The thing with him was he was viewing himself as an addict and like, mm -hmm. like he just was like, I'm addicted to this. And it's like controlling my life. This guy was viewing pornography like once every other month. Mm -hmm. Like he would text me every time he messed up. And it was like, like his average streak was like over 50 days. So like this guy wow. really, like when it came down to it now, I understand like his problem was obviously it was a bad problem because he was suffering, but like, he just, he had never told anyone before. Well, he told a couple people, I think, but like, it was just this, it totally completely defined the way that he saw himself, which was really tough for me because I saw him as this, you know, wonderful, incredible person with all of these great qualities, but he had a really hard time like feeling that way as well. Mm -hmm. um, we ended up breaking up, not because of pornography, just for like other reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, and then like my next next two boyfriends both pretty serious but had the same problem and they had they were in various stages of getting help one of them was actually like in therapy and doing a really great job but I like started to kind of realize I was like man like I I want to do something so I broke up with boyfriend one and in between boyfriend one and boyfriend two okay those are not actually their numbers I have quite the body count but like <laughs> in relation <laughs> to this story and so in between that time I was like I want to do something for the girlfriends of you know because in my brain I was like well this is the boy problem so I need to do something to support the girlfriends of the anyways mm -hmm. COVID hits and I was like oh so it just kind of sat me down and parked me on my little booty and gave me like a year to just refine my idea. So I had approached one of the religion professors at BYU and said, I want to start this support group. And he was like, oh, that's really neat. And yeah. And so then COVID hit and BYUSA was like, oh my gosh. And they kind of shut down. And so I just, just noodled on it and thought about it and researched it and read everything I could get my hands on. I read the first like three pages of Google. Whoa. And <laughs> this is, and this is before kind of the rise that we're on of like mm -hmm. people talking about pornography and actually understanding sexuality. And like, yeah. So I just was like, it was, it was a really crazy experience reading just these articles. I think I Googled like how to help a spouse that struggles with pornography. And it was just like, you're both going to hell. And I was like, oh, <laughs> thank you. That makes me feel better. You know, like it just, it was uh -huh. frustrating. And so as I was researching, the more I was realizing, like, first of all, this is a really common problem. I had so many misconceptions about, mm. about, and I also learned that BYU just did not have a ton going on. We actually have we, I just graduated, they have a, like a pornography support system done through the counseling and psychological services, which I didn't know about because nobody knows about it. Cause it's yeah. like super, super secret. And they meet in a basement in a room with no windows. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's not <laughs> anyways. So I just decided that I was going to start this group and I just built an Instagram for it I put up I think like 20 posts before I had any followers and then I just announced it on mine I have like a little bit over a thousand followers and so it just blew up and in I think a week we had like 300 something followers and people were commenting and I was like okay we're gonna have this meeting I just like announced this meeting and I was like mm -hmm. like I hope somebody shows up and they did we had like 25 oh. people in our first meeting and then we had the Pauls from the I Stand at the Door podcast mm -hmm. as our guests for the second meeting and it was incredible. And yeah, pretty much I said, I want to start this group. And then the Lord said, great, that's all I needed from you. And everything else was very much like the hand of God. And there are so many miracles that like led to the founding of this group. I, as a person, don't like rules. 
and do a very bad job of following them. So there's a lot of the things that we did that the Lord just kind of like swept under the rug. So BYU just didn't notice and didn't like shut us down. They actually tried like six times, but it's okay because now I'm not the president anymore. And, and we're still, I, still uh, doing that. Oh, dang it. I was about to say, I bet y'all are a lot more law abiding. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think I've passed a little bit of my like, just, I don't know, fire <laughs> onto yeah. the guy who's the president now. Anyways. Yeah. So it just, yeah, it was really cool because it was something where I was like, hey, I think I want to do this. And the Lord said, actually, there is a need here and I'm going to fill it and you're going to help me. And I was like, sick. So yeah, that's how it came to be. So cool. Oh my gosh. Coolest story ever. Didn't you have, maybe this is, I can't remember if we talked about this or if I listened to you talking about something like this. Like, wasn't there something with like a plane ride? Maybe I'm just oh, so yeah. Up. yeah. Yeah. So my part? little brother, um, I was, he was helping me. Okay. Little brother. He's like this massive power lifter, bodybuilder. I can't be putting dirt on his name, but he's younger than me. So he's my baby brother. We're on the plane flying back to Utah after I think like a Christmas break. And the last thing that I needed to come up with, cause I was calling it the love better club, but there was another club with, you know, like a dazzling three members or something all about like dating violence that was called love better. And I was like, I don't really want to be associated with that because mm-hmm. we are associated with that in people's minds, but we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, okay, if you'll just change the name, we'll green light your club. And it had been a really long process to get them to, cause I, it was just me. Like usually a club is a bunch of people are like, Hey, we really love pickleball and we want to start a pickleball club. And so like the six of them are like, we're going to play pickleball. And BYUSA is like, wonderful. Look at you guys. So it's just me. I'm like, hi, I'm here to address a deep spiritual and psychological <laughs> need on our campus, but it's just me. And they're like, I don't know about that. And so anyway, so finally they were like, we'll let you do this. We think you're nuts, but you can do it. And as long as you change the name and I was like, and so we're sitting on this airplane and I'm like swapping my brother and I are just like spitballing names, what we can possibly call this group. And then I was like, oh, we could call it because he said something like, oh, like the not alone club or something. And I was like, ah, the unalone club. And the spirit was just like, and we were like, whoa. So and it's so interesting fascinating interesting it's so interesting <laughs> so that uh, th- that was the name that we picked because yeah. that's been like the biggest draw when we would do events and stuff i'm sure you've seen this already people come up they're like oh the unwilling club i don't have any friends what's this about and i'm like you're about <laughs> to have friends fellow yeah. yeah. you know and it's yeah so it was wonderful and that's kind of i feel like the the core message that i was trying to push was like if you struggle with pornography if you love someone that struggles with pornography you feel alone a lot of the time but you're actually not mm-hmm. so yeah. That's so true. Oh, that's so good. Amen. <laughs> okay. Rewind way, way back when. Yeah. So since you have, so you were talking about like, it came up in like dating and that's kind of what like sparked mm-hmm. it for you. Then having researched all of this and maybe even like starting this club, how did your responses differ? And looking back, what was your own personal biggest misunderstanding about, I guess, pornography or people who struggle with pornography? Yeah, I think I just had the typical education about it growing up. I was exposed to pornography like once at 11. And honestly, I was like in a like a library book. What? Anyways, so I just like flip the page and there's this thing. And I was like, yo, and I turned the page. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I just saw two people doing the do. And then I like turned the page back over. I was like, I'm gonna pick at that again. And it didn't do anything for me the second time around. Hmm. And I'm so grateful that it didn't because my life would probably be really different if it had, but yeah, I think so. Anyways, that was my only exposure to it. My only education about it was what I learned in young women's, i.e. it's a boy's problem. If a boy you're 
dating has a problem with pornography dump him and I was like <laughs> oh so I think yeah my biggest misconception I think originally was that it was a sexual problem mm-hmm. instead of understanding later like it's a dealing with emotions problem mm-hmm. or it's really less of a problem more of just an unhealthy coping mechanism but yeah. I saw it as this thing that I was like okay like because and one of the people that I dated was such a wonderful guy super energetic so fun to be around but just very much like had a high sex drive as a person and so I just kind of assumed that was why I was like well he needs an outlet for this mm-hmm. and like looking back I'm like oh no he really really struggled to allow himself to feel feelings and they would bottle up inside and he needed an outlet for that so mm-hmm. I think that's my biggest misconception just understanding this isn't some kind of sexual disorder. It can be linked to that. But what it is, is people using this coping mechanism to deal with emotions in a way that's less than ideal. Mm, that's perfect. Yep. It's so true. Stems a lot back to, again, just like the identity. I feel like I talk about it all the time. Like it's just, it's hard because you feel out of touch with your identity and that is a quick fix and it's easy to go back to, super accessible. And mm-hmm. it's much harder to actually sit with your emotions. So yeah. 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 Okay. And I'm curious. So you took the, did you take this year or the semester off of the Unalone Club? Cause I joined a little bit later. So I graduated in December okay. and I just kind of turned it over to my presidency. And I was like, this is y'all's thing now because I found that clubs where the president like sticks around and is still really involved. Like I didn't want this to be like Emmy Bass's thing. I wanted this to be like, this is a BYU thing. And when you come to BYU and you tell your bishop, I struggle with pornography and I just got to BYU and I'm really worried because I've been doing really good, but now I don't have any friends. He says, oh, you're about to have some friends. Here's a club for you, right? Instead of this being like my project that lives and dies with me. Hmm. So I stopped running the club when I graduated college and just turned it over to the team. We've got a new president, as you know, and they are doing a stellar job. I was going to go to the last meeting of the semester just to say hi, but I was sick, so I did not. I know it's okay, but we did miss you. But But yeah, no, I think that is so cool and like so respectable because you've got a lot of passion and a lot of emotion involved in this. So I'm sure that was a hard thing for you to do to let go of. It kind of was, but at the same time, it was kind of the biggest relief in my entire life because that was causing me so much stress. Like, you're, you know, really? you're finding these pretty high profile guests every single week. Yeah. Having these deep. And after a while, I kind of felt like I had given all I could give because hmm. I don't struggle with pornography. Mm-hmm. And my only experience has been with like supporting people I'm dating. Mm-hmm. And so after a while, I was like, I feel like I've reached the limit of my experience and I have no more, nothing more to give other than like undying love and support, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, it's time to turn this over to somebody who has more to give and is on this learning curve and is succeeding and failing and stumbling and working on this and actively, actively fighting. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that would be more meaningful in a leader than than me. Oh, I love it. I love it. And have you seen like, what would you say? Like you've seen the the biggest impacts of the club have been like for for you personally and like even are there continued impacts now that you see oh yeah like I almost bought a chick the other day because she said something about (laughs) not okay I'm not like a pugnacious individual I'm a little (laughs) bit like fiery but yeah this girl made a disparaging comment about somebody and was like oh do you think that's related to like 
his porn issues and I like grabbed Sis's arm under the table and I was like, maybe it is, but don't you think that's really personal and you should probably never speak about that again? I'm like squeezing the crap out of her arm. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like I just like activated this like aggressive mode I didn't know I had. So there's there's that. Uh, apparently I fight people now. Just kidding, <laughs> not really. But I think one of the biggest impacts in my life is I just learned so much about my own emotions, my own emotional mm-hmm. health. And then for me, like, Going from a person who had, I mean, Tennessee is like Utah. It's an abstinence-only state. So I had no sexual education. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I'm getting married in a month. So I had to like learn. So taking classes about sexuality and like figuring out my own sexuality was so much better as a member of the club because I was able to have these conversations in a candid and open and honest way. And I was able to have uncomfortable conversations and I was able to talk openly about myself and my body with people that like, you know, had a need to know basis. Mm -hmm. And that was really helpful. But I feel like overall, I just learned so much about my emotional response and about just like, honestly, general psychology. So yeah. fascinating. So yeah. that was a, that perk that I've gotten to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, seriously, like shout out to the NLO club, because Woo! even if you're not struggling with pornography, just come because like, it seriously is so good for just every part of well-being. Like, Yes. And because like pornography is such an aspect of like not having a great understanding of how to handle your emotions, that's really what you learn is like how Mm -hmm. to better handle your emotions. So, you know, I'd say it's not even just for people who struggle with pornography. Dude, amen Um, to that. And now that I'm not affiliated with BYU anymore, I can tell you, you don't even have to be a BYU student because it's on Zoom. (laughs) You're kind of like supposed to be if we're doing in-person events, but guess what? Nobody checks. So Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this and you're not a BYU student, (laughs) it doesn't Mm-hmm. they'll never know so you didn't hear it from maddie who's a yeah. fake, wonderful diligent byu student you heard it from me exactly so, there you go. yes I'm i like do a not graduated adult now <laughs> <laughs> do not endorse anything that emmy is saying don't ever show up to the byu yeah. meetings yeah maddie we're, we're editing student. this part out right right yeah like, yeah definitely sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no we would love to have anyone there yep yep okay okay you talk a lot about the supporter role so mm-hmm. How do you, what, like, what does that supporter role look like? Like what, I guess, walk us through your journey of being a not so well-informed supporter and now yeah. being a very well-informed supporter. And what have you learned along the way? Yeah. I think like the first time I was in a supporting position, I wanted to be really informed. Like I wanted to know, well, I didn't actually want to know, but he wanted to fill me in when things would happen. And I would just wake up in the middle of the night to these like eight paragraph text messages. And it just made me feel ill because I didn't know anything about it. And I knew he'd been working really hard and it was just so tough to watch him like stumble. Mm -hmm. And then second time around, I was just kind of like, you've got your support system. Come to me if you need my help. You know, I was like, this is your issue. You've been dealing with this for way longer than you've known me. So I don't have anything to do with this. And it was really nice because I went from kind of feeling like, oh gosh, like, is this maybe my fault? Like, for example, like I did a lot of long distance with one of these boyfriends and I went from feeling like, oh my gosh, like, is it because like, I'm not there and he doesn't have that connection that, that like, he's, you know, kind of like he, he would call it a relapse. So I'll call it a relapse. He's kind of relapsing into these behaviors but then I just kind of learned, I was like, bruh, like, I ain't got nothing to do with this. Like, this is not a me problem at all, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I was viewing it as a sexual issue when it really wasn't. And so I think now, like, my biggest advice to supporters and the biggest thing I've learned is that, like, people need a support system as a girlfriend, as a boyfriend, as a family member. You don't have to be in it. 
And in a lot of cases, maybe you could should consider not being in it because I felt like my relationship with this first guy, it kind of became all about pornography. Like we would talk about it all the time and, and he wanted me to keep him accountable. Like, no, like have an accountability buddy that's from your club or your recovery group. Or like if you use the Relay app, that one's awesome. You have a built-in support system on there. And so just letting that be enough and then saying, hey, I'm here to provide the emotional support. So come to me when you're having a bad day. Like if you're feeling really tempted to view pornography because you're feeling really alone, I can help you not feel alone. So there's that. Something wonderful, my fiance Joseph is totally okay with me saying this, but he struggled with pornography in high school. And he's one of those like crazy awesome cases where he cleaned up to go on his mission and then helped a lot of other people through it as a missionary. And then just hasn't really, it just doesn't really hold appeal for him anymore. Like he very much has healed and recovered, which is why I want to shout from the rooftops that you even can. Like some people are like, yeah. oh yeah, like you'll struggle with this for the rest of your life. I call BS because mm-hmm. name one thing that's going to last the rest of your life, other than maybe like your skin color and your testimony of Jesus, hopefully. <laughs> so like... Really like, yeah, anyways, but yeah, like Joseph had a support system. He worked through it with the proper like authority, like the right, he took the right steps. He healed and recovered. And now like, I mean, we talk about it, of course, like I'm checking in and I feel like if, if anything ever happened and I feel confident that like, I wouldn't really care. Like we could, I know that we could talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably good that we trust each other because we are getting married, but it's a good thing. Yeah. So I would say my biggest thing that I learned as a supporter is taking myself out and just saying, I'm here simply for support. I'm not your accountability buddy. I'm not your therapist. I'm not your bishop. You have an accountability buddy. You have a therapist. You have a bishop. Ideally, right? Not everybody has access to those, but you can always find people that will help fill that role until you can get one and just saying, Hey, I'm here to support. So if you are feeling a lot of emotions that would generally make you turn to pornography, just come chat about it with me. I love it. I think that's perfect. And I mean, it's really hard because like, I think especially when you're in a supporter role, it's really easy to just take all that responsibility on yourself. And you're oh, like, yeah. oh, of course, this is like, it feels like such a righteous cause. You feel so mm-hmm. noble, you know, we have our little savior complexes sometimes <laughs> yeah. church members that we sometimes have really bad. And it's so tempting because you feel like, so you just, you feel like you're doing a good thing, you know? Yeah. And it gives you this like unrighteous high of like, you're the righteous one in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And as a prideful person, I love being right. Prideful person. Being like, yeah, oh yeah. I love being <laughs> the better one, which is tough because I'm marrying the world's best man. And I'm like, oh, play catch up for the rest of my life. I am better than him at singing. Anyways, but you, there is like a little bit of a, like a, a savior complex to it. And so I think if we're really honest with ourselves, like we kind of crave that, like, oh, like here I am being so like, I'm ministering when in reality, like occasionally, like, and sometimes it just depends on the relationship dynamic. Like sometimes you yeah. do need that, but for the most part, like it's just better if you're their wife, be their wife, right? If you're yeah. their sister, be their sister and don't be their accountability buddy. Don't be their partner. Don't be their therapist. Don't be their bishop because Mm. that's what they have those for. That's perfect. Yep. So well said. And it's so much easier said than done, but I think it's really good. The first step is, is addressing that and talking about what your, what your role actually is. So perfect. Okay. We are going to dive into the last two questions. So first off, What would you say to a young girl who is struggling right now and who does feel completely alone? 
that you're a baddie for listening to this podcast. Like you are <laughs> killing it. I think I, okay. Like being a woman is tough. First of all, because you have just as much of a sexual makeup. You're just as much a mammal as any other man, but you're not allowed to be like, you're not allowed to be sexual. You're only allowed to be sexy. And that's really, that duality is not healthy. So a lot of people will struggle for a really long time. So if you're a young girl and you're listening to this podcast already, you're doing so well. And I think I would probably just say what I would say to club members every time I would close out a meeting, like you're doing better than you think you are. Like I guarantee, even if you watch pornography and masturbated this morning, like you're probably doing better than you think you are. And that the savior understands what you're going through. And also that that feeling of aloneness doesn't come from God. It comes from Satan. Because even if there's nobody in your life that struggles with pornography that you can like really talk to about it, like if your parents are involved, like sit down with them and talk about resources. We have a fantastic resource guide that the Unalone Club puts out. I think there's a link in the bio that should take you to a Google Doc. And we have just unholy amount of resources on there. And there's like apps that you can use. There's just, there's so much out there available for you. And, but also that feeling of like struggle and aloneness and like the the real suffering that you go through is also completely valid because it's really, really hard. So I would say good luck walking the fine line between being like, oh, it's okay because we have the joy of Jesus. So my suffering isn't valid or being like, I am never getting over this and I will deal with this forever and getting kind of down in the dregs of the, the depression that can come with that. So understanding that like your feelings are real and valid is really important, except that feeling of you being alone, not that it's not valid but it might be less accurate than it always feels like it is. Mm. Mm, That's a very good way to put it. That was so perfect. Thank you. Okay. All right. Final, final question. What keeps you on the front lines in the war against pornography? Like why? Yeah. I think just because I've seen healing, like my fiance is such a great example of somebody who is he's I would consider him a very whole person does he deal with his emotions in a healthy way all the time no it stresses me out to no end he bottles everything up and I'm like one day you're gonna explode but like I like I've seen that you can heal and you can move on and you can get to the point where you don't even feel the need to be like hyper vigilant all the time like you can live a life free of pornography And that's something that I think a lot of people just forget to bring up because so many people don't really figure out how to live a life free of pornography, but spreading the message that people can do that and you can do that is I would say what keeps me involved with pornography because we're never going to take down the porn industry. It's bigger than freaking Google. It's bigger than ChatGPT. It's going to be here forever. Like too many people are employed by the freaking porn industry for it to ever go away. Mm -hmm. Like I would love that but it's just not possible. So continuing to just like mind, like just work on your own recovery and support the people in your life that are there and just being kind and being available for conversations about pornography for me has done so much more than like, I don't know, like just, I feel like it's, it just makes a huge difference. Like being, yeah. being there makes a huge difference. So yeah, we're going to keep on fighting because it's what we do, sis. We've been fighting Satan since the day we were born, before the day we were born. Nice. And so we're good at it at this point. So we really are. you know, 
Mm-hmm. We are going to keep fighting. I love yeah, it. We ain't I quitting because we can recover. So mm-hmm. we can. And I, I, I love that you included the message of hope because you're right. Like we, we don't include that enough. We get so involved with like the data and the what's what's actually going to happen. Here are my goals for um when I'm struggling with pornography. Here's what you do. You go talk to the bishop. Here's the support groups. But it's like, it's actually possible. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's going to be a time in your life where you don't, where you're not constantly worried about this like you know like and I know like it doesn't seem like it right now but it's gonna happen yeah yeah I just love it okay well thank you so much or unless you have a final do you have any final message you feel like you're leaving out yeah I do I think yeah I think my final thought would just be that you're doing better than you think you are and that the Lord is proud of you like like I said earlier even if you messed up this morning you're listening to this right now. So you're consciously working on that recovery and there is hope and healing for you. And it comes from the savior. It'll come from therapy, from people around you, but it's there and it's for you and Mm -hmm. you can have it. Like you can live a life. I love how you said, Maddie, like there's a time where you won't be worried about this. Like it just won't be on your mind anymore. Like I promise you, you can have that. It'll be tough, but you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh Maddie. man. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Emmy. That was well, of course. just great. You're so uplifting and funny and bubbly. And I oh, just dang. I just feel so hyped after I talk to you. <laughs> yeah, dude, let's freaking let's go. Let's, let's change the world. Let's exactly let's, let's just make everybody feel loved and included because nobody's <laughs> alone. Because if we were supposed to do this alone, God would have put us on our own individual planets, and he did not do that. You're so, so right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Amen. Well, okay. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you everyone for listening. Yes, um, if you have, you seriously, like I really do appreciate it. If you have a story to share or you are a professional in this field with insights to share, please reach out to me on Instagram at sisters on the front lines or via email at sisters on the front lines at gmail.com. Those will both be in the show notes as well as a link to the Unalone Club Instagram, the I Stand at the Door podcast. I don't think they're doing episodes anymore, but go listen to all their episodes because they're so good. Please remember you are not alone um, and make sure to set appropriate boundaries for yourself as a supporter and you are doing better than you think you are. Amen. Uh, Amen. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and give the podcast a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so that we can grow more and reach more young women, parents, and leaders. And until next episode, keep up the good fight on the front lines.